You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We're back. It's a new year. I've been hearing from so many of you listeners, clients, that you're just, you're ready for this shift. You're feeling this energy. You're feeling the need to prioritize your well-being. And we're doing that. We're doing it always on this show. I'm reporting live from Minnesota. It is a full-blown blizzard once again. We were at home for the holidays, you know, for a couple weeks. School was out. And then the kids literally had a half a day of school. (laughs) And now it's been canceled for days because of all the snow. So we've been cooped up at home, getting really creative with trying to keep that energy going without getting burnt out of being inside and also just like being around kids and feeling overstimulated. So this is a nice little break. Um, You know, we'll be talking about some of this stuff on the show today, how we can change routines, ebbs and flows, and really get the things done that we need to get done, but also feel grounded ourselves. So I've been really excited about the shifts in energy, the astrological shifts that are happening right now this whole new year but it's interesting because not a lot is changing at the moment we're still in this slow start to the year I talked about this a little bit on Instagram so not only is it a mercury retrograde which is you know kind of annoying gives us some pause in communication technology but also we're still in that Mars retrograde so while we may want to be starting those new projects right out the bat there's really a slow start to the year and so we're forced to slow down and continue to evaluate that Mars retrograde ends on January 12th. So it's done on the 12th, but there's still a long shadow into like mid-March. So if you're feeling a little bit of stagnant energy over the next few months, really over the next few weeks, that's okay. It's going to let up because 2023 is big Aries energy, big time. I'll talk a little bit about this more in um, a forecast or some energy shifts and self-care practices you can do in 2023. But All you need to know is that there's going to be a lot of momentum and a lot of energy in taking action, in starting new projects, in taking on new ideas, taking that first step forward. Aries will not only move into Jupiter, but the north node of the moon will be there as well. And so that shift in our lunar energies, the shift in our motivations, we're going to be feeling this on a collective level. What does that mean for you? It depends. You know, again, I'll talk about this in a future episode, but for many of you, it'll be, yes, let's start new projects. Let's get things going. For many of you, it's going to be, you know what? I'm not going to follow the trends of everything else. I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to rest. I'm really going to listen. 
I've been doing that a lot lately myself and looking at my routines, looking at the general rhythms of the day. I was actually talking talking to a coach, someone who coaches me on this idea of rhythm and like where I can build in predictable rhythms, predictable practices that I can count on and those that my family can count on each and every day. And I say this because we're still in that evaluation period, right? We're evaluating what works for us, where we want to put our motivation, how we communicate. But as this continues to change and as we start to feel more excitement, more energy, more momentum, come the next couple of months, we're going to want to have systems that are ready to go. We're going to have those rhythms that allow us to go, 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 but also rest, rest, rest. So I say this, you know, in total planning, because I'm a planner of a Capricorn moon. But if you're somebody who's like, this is a little bit too much, I don't know. All you need to know is think about your rhythm. Think about what is important to you, how you can bookend some of your practices and make sure that that's included in the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Take it slow. Know that we have a few more weeks of this slower stagnant energy and you can rest all that you want. That's what winter is for. Okay, so today's episode's a little bit different than the normal interview style. I have three yoga teachers slash coach friends who are weighing in on different practices, tips that you can that can help you in these areas of self-care and, and self-discovery in 2023. First, you'll hear from Caitlin Engler. She is a licensed social worker, a confidence coach, and a host of the Healthy Mind, Happy Life podcast. She's breaking down overthinking and how you can catch yourself, you can de-escalate, and you can live with less anxiety and more ease. Secondly, fellow yoga teacher, recruiter, and productivity consultant Renee Claire breaks down time blocking and how you can start implementing this practice in not only your work life, but your whole life. And then finally, I'm so excited to share my friend Katie Arnold with you. Katie is a yoga, meditation, breathwork, and a journaling coach. And she's giving some awesome tips for making journaling easier. That's something that I hear from a lot of you, that you'd like to journal, you'd like to work it in your practice, but you're not exactly sure how. So Katie has awesome tips in there. I want to just share and kind of before we hop into these awesome teachers, give you a tip of my own. And again, I alluded to it earlier. It's this idea of finding rhythm. So whether you're working full-time, you're an entrepreneur, you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're some combination of all of those things, which, like me, (laughs) you can build in some of those rhythms in your day, things that you can count on to keep your energy up. So as you're looking at, okay, when do we eat? When do we do school pickups? When do I rest? When do I move? You know, what are those things that you can count on each day? day to keep your energy up? And how can you commit to those as a regular flow, right? Something that I've been doing um, and looking at is how much work time I really can stay focused in. It's about it's about 90 minutes before I really lose so focus. So this idea of, okay, I've got 90 minutes, I'm going to focus on this, and then I'm going to go do something else, walk around, take a walk outside. That's an example of rhythm. The way that you can start this, everyone, you can start this practice is to write down what your perfect regular, I say regular, day would look like for you. You know, waking up at a certain time, getting some breakfast in, doing a little workout, doing your work, whatever it is, like write down that perfect day and then start taking action to clear out the barriers to getting there. You know, what's getting in the way? What's taking your time and you're not even realizing it? Make a visible schedule. Once you have that 
that perfect general day. Make a visible schedule for yourself. Put it in your Google Calendar or somewhere where that you can see it and start to commit to that ebb and flow, okay? Let me know how that's going. Lots more to come on the year ahead, but I'm so excited to share these three teachers with you on some of these topics that I hope are really helpful as you're starting your self-care and your self-discovery practices in 2023. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. I am Caitlin Engler. I'm a licensed social worker and confidence coach. I help women decrease overthinking to find confidence and trust within. And that's exactly what I'm going to talk about today is overthinking. Most people at some point will get trapped in thoughts and enter what is called a thought spiral. Now, how do you know when you are overthinking or you are an overthinker versus just being in headspace, bad headspace? If you're an overthinker, then you are likely in your head or in this spiral more times than not. And if you're overthinking, you aren't always in a spiral, but you could have a million thoughts going through your head at once. And overthinking stems from anxiety. But there's various factors that can increase the rumination, obsession, fixation on a situation or these thoughts that you're having. So when we have self-awareness, that's the space that allows us to become awakened and process through thoughts and emotions or or emotions and gain insight around it. Overthinking is the space that isolates us and takes the brain hostage. It leads to unproductive thoughts and emotions. So it doesn't it doesn't get us anywhere, right? There's this saying that an old supervisor of mine always used to say about worrying and I think of it the same way for overthinking is that it's like a rocking chair. It doesn't get you anywhere, but it gives you something to do, right? So it occupies your mind, but it's unproductive. It's not doing anything for you. So when we overthink, it's our attempt to try and control ourselves or a situation that we're focused on or going through at the time. And many times this happens in our interactions with others. We will replay what we should have said, what we said, and it'll be on repeat in our brains over and over and over again. Oh, I should have said it this way. I could have done it this way. Oh, what what did uh, they mean when they said that? And And so we can do that too. We will analyze what that other person said. So we will tear apart the meaning behind their words or their tone even though it likely has no meaning, but we will sit there and analyze because again, it's our attempt to control the situation. Playing out situations like where we should be or where we could be. Oh, I I want to uh, grow that much in my business. Oh, I, I want a promotion like that. Oh, I want to make that much money. Oh, I really want a family. And, and so we will play out all of these situations in our head, leading to feeling bad about ourselves. The thing is, our brains, by nature, are problem solvers. That's what it does. Our brain wants to problem solve. So that's part of the brain's job. But it crosses this line from being productive and problem solving into living in the problem and feeling ashamed about who you are. 
And that's what overthinking does. There's thoughts and then there's overthinking those thoughts. Taking them to a a different level, like I said earlier, that leads to unproductive and really causing a lot of harm to yourself. Okay, so I like to break this up into five stages. The first being something we already talked about, which is the interaction that you have with someone. And you likely aren't really thinking anything of it at that time while you're interacting with them. It's when we enter into the next stage, which is stage two, when we leave the situation or we go on with our day and we're in our car on the way home or we're laying in bed at night and we start to think about that interaction that we had. Again, trying to regain that control or attempt to control the situation. The next stage is we are replaying this over and over and over again, analyzing it, making it something that it's it's not. And we begin to start feeling guilty and ashamed of who we are or what we said or what we did. And it can really cause these feelings of restlessness, feeling discontent within, right? You're having an likely a reaction in your body. And that, again, could be restlessness, feeling discontent, feeling anxious, which then goes to the next stage, which is when it triggers even more emotion. And we begin that spiral. We begin to feel unworthy. We aren't good enough. We may talk down to ourselves like, you're so stupid. Why did you say that? And just really put us in this dark place. The very last stage that we will move into is this will start having start to have an impact on different areas of our life. So we may become disconnected from the people that are close to us. We may find it hard to get up in the morning because we're emotionally exhausted, may become short-tempered. A lot of times people become forgetful. You may feel depressed or isolated. So it really starts to have a harmful and negative impact on different areas in your life. So if this is something you are relating to and nodding your head and saying, yes, I do all of those things. Yes, I I go through all of those stages. I have a few tips that can help you to start decreasing these thought spirals. Because ultimately, if you're an overthinker, then it is embedded in you. I don't say that in a mean way, but that it is likely always going to be a part of you, but there's definitely ways to help manage and keep it at bay so you don't step into this space of feeling ashamed, feeling unworthy, and and having this great impact on your life. So one analogy that I like to give people is visualize a backpack. So you have this backpack on. The backpack is filled with rocks, right? And those rocks are all these things that I've been talking about. The shame, the guilt, the thought spiral, all of those heavy thoughts, uh, comparison to others, right? All these things, every one of those is a rock in your backpack. Now I want you to go climb that mountain. How is that going to feel? That's going to feel very difficult, right? It's going to be heavy. 
it's you're is probably going to require a lot of breaks along the way and it's going to take a long time to climb to the top of that mountain versus if we can use some of these tips to take some of these stones out right you can visualize yourself taking a stone out and setting it on the ground to make that backpack lighter there may always be stones in there but are there things that you can take out that are that are unnecessary something else you could do is write down the negative thoughts that you're having on paper to really look at them and and see them for what they are a lot of times when we are left to our own devices and we're in our own head we don't really notice the magnitude that these thoughts and words that we tell ourselves have. So some of those things may be, I can never be on time. I'm not a morning person. I can't commit to anything, right? I'm sure a lot of these sound familiar. So whatever yours might be, writing those down on paper and seeing them. Because the next thing that you can do, accept that you're having these thoughts. Because what we try to do is we get locked in on trying to change it and wishing it away. And what can happen is it will increase your frustration and it will feel like you're just running into a wall. So by acknowledging it and accepting doesn't mean that you're choosing to stay in it. It means you're acknowledging it instead of focused on making it go away. So the thing that exercise that I like to give people is to place your hand on your chest, close your eyes if that feels safe to you, and repeat these three sentences, which are, I hear you, anxiety. I am with you, anxiety. I see you, anxiety. And I said anxiety, but you can fill in that blank with whatever thought you're having or feeling that you're experiencing, what that does is it actually takes the power away from the thought. So by validating and accepting that these are happening, it actually decreases its its force. I also have on my website a free guide to decrease overthinking. It's a pop-up. If you go on my website, www.elevateyourlifecoachingschool.com, And you can enter your email and you will get a free five-day challenge to decrease overthinking. Some of these things that I just shared are in there, but it really breaks it down and helps you become more detailed with it. And you can do one each day or you can do one a week, whatever feels good to you. If you are wanting to decrease overthinking and this is an area that you've been wanting to explore. I have openings for one-on-one coaching. You can find me on my website. You can email me at elevateyourlifecoachingschool@gmail.com, at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Caitlin Englert Coaching. That's caitlin.englert.coaching. The last thing that I want to say is that it doesn't have to stay this way. Right, You can accept these parts about yourself, but also know there's room for growth and that it does not have to stay this way. You can make a choice to take steps forward to help decrease the weight that you're carrying around and how heavy this feels right now. 
Hey there, welcome to five time blocking tips to conquer work-life integration. My name is Renee Claire. I am known as the productive wellness printer. I am on a mission to really help people gain back that energy for themselves so they can have more time and energy to uplift other people. I am not only a recruiter of hardware and software engineers, but I'm also a yoga and meditation teacher. I teach yoga online. I've been teaching since about 2018 for my online clients, and I've been teaching yoga overall since 2015. Somehow in between, I've combined all of my worlds together. Most of my clients right now are in the wellness field, and I'm teaching them things like time blocking, time management. I'm teaching them how to build their teams. And today's tips are different. I really want to show you that no matter who you are, it's about work-life integration. You know, we are essentially ourselves when we go to work, whether you're in the corporate world or not. So you can really balance your life and live the life that you are meant to now. Let's dive in. Tip number one is put your self-care first. How does that make you feel? What are the stories that come up for you right now as you think about putting your self-care first? For most of my clients, it's kind of like this like thing where they feel really <laughs> just taken back. They can't imagine putting their self-care first, right? And I know that's different. That's one of the things that's really different about me when it comes to time blocking is I don't take people on a journey of just time blocking their work. In fact, I start off with their whole life. So things to ask yourself for your putting your self-care first. How many hours of sleep would you ideally like to have in your week? When do you want to eat breakfast? When do you want to exercise? When do you want to go to sleep? <laughs> when do you want to have time for relaxation? And when do you want to have time to socialize? When do you want to have lunch or take a break during your week? Okay. And I know that one's huge for a lot of us. We're used to working through our lunches. We're used to not eating our lunches or maybe we don't eat breakfast. So when we don't have enough nutrition, to provide to our cells and our brain cells, we aren't thinking at our highest productivity levels, right? We aren't being as productive as we could. The reason why I say put self-care first is because you need to rest. You need to give your, your brain a chance to recuperate from all of the wonderful things that you've put into it and to um, digest all of the problems that you've encountered. When you put your self-care first, you are able to better problem solve. You're able to use your time more efficiently. Our society has taught us falsely that we're supposed to work nonstop. That is not being productive, my friends. So tip number one is putting your self-care first. Okay, okay. Number two. Implement your ideal schedule now, not later, not when you start your business, not when you're working full-time for yourself. Start your ideal schedule now. You have the power. Even if you aren't a manager, you can do it. I've done it. <laughs> I threw people for a loop when I did it, but I did it. So what does that mean? What is your ideal schedule? How many hours would you like to work in a week? If you're an entrepreneur, that one's easier to implement. 
But if you're working for a corporation, you know, maybe it is 40 hours right now and maybe you're working 50, right? So it's important to just kind of check in, you know, how many hours would you like to be working? And if you are working for a corporation and you really want to be working for 20 hours, something you kind of think about, is this time to switch to a new role? You know, is it time to start thinking about what would it look like to create your own business, right? How do you get to your ideal schedule? And it's okay if you can't take action on it. It's important to start thinking about it, right? Because as we know with change management, awareness is the first step. So once you become aware of what it is that you want, you can start making that progress towards that goal, okay? As yogis, wellness entrepreneurs, we call that manifestation. But in the business world, awareness is the first step to moving towards your goal. Again, thinking about your ideal schedule here, how many hours do you want to work? The next thing that's really great to think about is, you know, when do you work best with others? I personally work best with others in the afternoons. So I personally schedule my coaching calls in the afternoon. That just works better for me. My mind is lit up. I've had time to feel my body. (laughs) I've seen the shift in my corporate friends and it works really, really well. And it's really cool for people to start empowering themselves to make these educated decisions, right? And then the other thing is, when do you work best by yourself? I work best by myself in the mornings. I I like to start my day at nine o'clock and I want to read my emails first and I like to eat the frog. And eat the frog is probably most of you know, is doing that task that's either the most time consuming or the one that you really don't want to do first thing in the morning. So your ideal schedule, you want to think about and implement it right now. Don't wait until later. Don't wait until you're 60 or 80 or or whatever. Don't wait until you're retired. Do it now. Okay. And if you can't do everything, take those little baby steps. Number three, and this one's really tough, especially for my entrepreneur friends, take two consecutive days off. Even if you're an entrepreneur and let's say most of my yoga teacher clients, some of them don't even realize they're working on the weekend. They're like, oh, I just have one yoga class or I'm just doing this one thing for an hour. If you look at whatever you're doing right on the weekend, or if you want two consecutive days off during the week, the one hour thing actually takes about three hours or more of your time mentally. You're probably thinking about it in the shower. You're getting ready for it. You know, physically you're constantly thinking about it. So it is not, it is not a reality that this one hour thing that you're doing is just taking up one hour. It's taking much, much more time and space and energy than you realize. If you're taking two consecutive days off right now, kudos to you, because I'm sure that that takes a lot of space and telling people about it. But if you're not, check in with yourself. See where you can shift your schedule to have two consecutive days off. Okay. And if you need to work on the weekends, I totally hear you. That is okay. Think about where you could take two consecutive days off during the week. Okay. So maybe that's like Monday or Tuesday or, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, whatever works for you, whatever works right now. And if you'd like to have weekends off in the future, set that again in the forefront of your mind, just like for your ideal schedule and work towards that. Okay. Number four, and this kind of, you know, comes all the way back to time blocking. And this all has to do with time blocking, but this time blocking trick is my favorite, you guys. And not only does it work for wellness entrepreneurs, but it works for my friends that are moms and it works for people and working for corporations. Okay. Do your time blocks 
and two to four hour chunks. Most people come to me that have been doing time blocking for a while. And they're like, Renee, how is time blocking working for you? I've been doing it for a couple of years now, or I used to do it and it's not, it didn't work. So I took it off my plate. When you allow for two to four hour chunks of time and you dedicate that, and that's your time block to, you know, a a certain specific set of tasks that are are related, right? You give yourself the opportunity for distractions, for taking a break, for staring out the window and having that moment of boredom so you can spawn creativity, right? That's how the two to four hour time blocks keeps you productive because you are human. Interruptions happen. Your dog will come in and want your attention. Kids will be fighting and you need to go to them. Your partner has an emergency that needs to come up, right? So essentially you're giving yourself a buffer. Give yourself more time, the more time consuming a task is. If you're in the working in a corporation, it tends to be a little easier. You can be like, okay, you know, my first time block and is in the morning and it's dedicated to, you know, my working alone time and I check emails and I eat the frog and so on and so forth. And then the last four hours of your day are spent in meetings or maybe doing some project management. Okay. Two to four hour time blocks. That's tip number four. Tip number five, use this structure, use your time blocking structure for your whole life. Okay. For self-care, included in your two consecutive days off, use all of that to have a structure for boundaries. What I mean by boundaries is having the ability with kindness to say, not right now. Something that I found is key is looking at your schedule and then saying, let's set up a meeting for next week. What this does is it honors your time. It honors what you have set out for the week. Your brain wakes up on Monday or the start of your week and you are ready to conquer your week. Once you invite reactivity to it, you kind of lose that sense of momentum. You lose that sense of productivity that your brain is already prepared for. When you can give yourself a moment to just breathe and pause, right? Coming into the present moment, honoring your self-care, honoring your current time blocking schedule, you're able to recognize and make an empowered decision on when you want to schedule something. You can look and say, you know what? This is urgent and I need to get this done. But before I say yes, before I put this person on my schedule, what is it affecting Okay. And then you take that time block wherever you're, you know, wanting to insert an appointment. And then you realize how much time you're actually affecting what's being bumped and you can empower yourself to move that time block somewhere else. Right. So if you have an urgent, you know, meeting or, you know, coaching session or podcast interview, you can bring it into your schedule, but now you'll be with, you'll be aware of what's getting affected, what tasks And you'll be able to place that somewhere else. And then you can say, okay, I'm choosing to work tonight. And that's an exception, not a rule. And I'm choosing to work on the weekend. And I know exactly how much time I need to dedicate to getting these specific tasks done. So those are your five time blocking tips. I've created a really nifty guide that I would love to share with you. It's called my time blocking tips for wellness entrepreneurs. The link is in the bio on this page. Okay. So look for the time blocking tips and you'll sign up for my newsletter. It comes out weekly for you. It's 11 pages of goodness. And I've even created like this template so you can print it or you can write it in your bullet journal. If you have any questions at all, please email me. Okay. My email address is info, I-N-F-O at 
renee-claire.com. And it'd be an honor to chat with you or just answer any questions. And thank you for all you do. No matter what you do, I just am grateful that you are giving of your gifts to the world and leading in the way that you were meant to lead. Hi, everyone. I am Katie Arnold. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher. I also teach breath work and journaling, and I help people reconnect with themselves and stress less through movement and mindset practices so we can kind of get to the other side. I have been in that cycle of burnout of feeling like I'm literally burning the candle at both ends. And these practices that I teach that I now call my five components of connection are the tools that I come back to over and over and over again. And I have found that through consistent practice, they keep me on track. It doesn't mean that they're perfect by any means, right? There's no magic pill. But these five components of connection always help me find my way back, like a guidepost just kind of leading leading me back to myself. So those components of connection are mindful movement, meditation, self-care, journaling, and community. And I find so often people have a lot of questions around journaling. They think of this idea of journaling as... When we were kids and maybe you wrote in your diary about the boy who didn't like you or about the thing that your sibling did that made you really upset, I can relate to all of it. I had my diary with the key on it that, you know, I would write those same things. But journaling is so much more than that and it doesn't have to be that intimidating. So I thought it would be interesting today if... I just gave you a little bit of information on journaling, on the benefits of having a consistent journaling practice, some tips to get you started, and then I will leave you with a journal prompt that is kind of perfect for this this time of year. So to dive into some of the benefits of journaling, I love to start with the idea of self-discovery, because as a yoga teacher, we talk about svadhyaya, which is that idea of self-discovery, of getting to know ourselves better. And through journaling, we are able to tap into that. We're also able to set goals and then through those track our progress and track our growth. We can strengthen memories. If you're writing on experiences that you're having or travels that you're taking, those can create some really beautiful memories and stories that you can look back on. You have the ability to tap into inspiration and use your journaling as a source of inspiration and encouragement, whether that be through affirmations and mantras or You know, we can also find a way to kind of work through some tough emotions, through some past experiences. You can gain self-confidence and work through those insecurities. And we have the ability to reduce stress and anxiety. Such amazing benefits that can come from a consistent journaling practice. So 
Now, of course, this question of how do you get started? Where do you start? So one of my favorite tips for journaling is to just habit stack. And this idea of habit stacking is just really, as the name sounds, we are stacking one habit that you already have in place with the new habit that you want to add with it. And the way that I love to actually do this in my own life is to pair journaling with meditation. I have a consistent morning meditation practice and I just tack my journaling right onto that. And kind of a side note with that is I find that when we can pair the two together, we are actually able to go even deeper with the journaling. I find it so much easier to kind of tap into my inner voice and to get the ego out of the way of journaling. And it kind of removes any intimidation because I've already found kind of that quieting within my mind to tap into that. Another way to start journaling is literally just to free write. And I know for some people, like staring at a blank page can be really intimidating. So if you're looking at this blank page and all you're thinking is, I don't know what to write, I don't know what to write, you can literally write that. And as that pen goes to the paper, I find the words just start to flow out a little bit easier. And you might find that for a little while, that free writing might just look like whatever thoughts are in your head, the to-do list that you have for later, the things that you need to pick up at the grocery store on your way home from work. Like there's so many different things that you might kind of notice come up when you're free writing that you're like, this is not the point of my journaling. Or you might feel like this is not the point of my journaling, but sometimes you just have to start breaking down that barrier in whatever those words might look like. With that said, if you find that you're so intimidating by or so intimidated by that blank page, start with a journal prompt. Just like we say with meditation that a great way to kind of break into a meditation practice is to go through a guided meditation that someone else is helping take you through. Journal prompts are a great way to get yourself started. And you might find that once you start writing on a journal prompt, your direction is going in a different way, but the journal prompt just started to kind of break down the wall or kind of open the door for whatever else needed to come out. Obviously making this a routine, being consistent in whatever way your journal practice is going to look like. And you know, this is where habit stacking is a great way to help make it consistent, but having a consistent time, if that is first thing in the morning or right before you go to bed or you know, some other time that works really well for your schedule that you can make that happen at a really consistent time, that's a great way to really get into it too. Now, this next tip is to find a notebook that you love. I love a fun notebook and I will find that anytime I get a new notebook, I'm even more excited to get into my journal practice. And this is coming from someone who already has a journal practice, who already loves her journal practice, but a new notebook, a new pen, anything like that, that kind of just makes it even more fun is always a nice addition. 
You can also start with just a gratitude practice. At the end of every single day, write out three to five things from your day that you're grateful for. They can be the big things, you know, that we're grateful for with our families and our roofs over our heads. They can be that big, but I also highly encourage you to try to look at the small moments from your day as well. It could be the you know, couple of moments that you got to sip your coffee in silence before your kids woke up. It could be the really nice conversation that you had with a friend where you felt really seen and heard. I like to get super specific from my days because one, it allows me to spend more of my time each day looking for those moments of gratitude So I'm aware of them throughout the day, which makes me more present in my day and I think makes my days feel a little bit better. It also allows me to be able to look back at those old journal prompts, those old uh, journaling pages, and maybe on a bad day when I'm not feeling that gratitude, I can go back and I can look at another day and I can be like, oh, I remember that moment. That was such a nice conversation and feel a little bit of an uplift, right? I find that really helpful. I also want to just remind you to release expectations. Do not judge yourself. You can't get it wrong. And especially if this is something that is really new to you, you are just getting started. Work out the kinks and know that your journaling practice can change and evolve over time just as we change and evolve over time. I've been journaling for years now and my practice has changed so much. I've had seasons when I'm a morning only journaler and I have seasons when I'm an evening only journaler and I have seasons when I'm doing both in some capacity, even in a small way, right? So release your expectations. Don't judge yourself and know that you cannot get it wrong. So I want to leave you with a journal prompt. And I think this journal prompt is one that is perfect for this time of year. And I also think it's absolutely perfect for the yoga magic community. So I want you to spend some time reflecting on this past year and what self-care practices did you utilize this past year How did they make you feel? And then think about going into this new year. What self-care practices do you want to add or take away or try or adjust or change in some way? So knowing that our self-care practices change all the time and maybe one that you are looking to add is a journaling practice if it's not already. So just gentle journal prompt that you could try on and see where that takes you. So thank you all so much for letting me come in and crash yoga magic. You can find me everywhere on social media 
at I am Katie Arnold. I also have my own podcast. It is the Soul Connection Podcast. It is guided meditations paired with journaling prompts. So if you like that idea of habit stacking and trying to journal in line with your meditation, you can find me there. And I'm also on YouTube at Katie Arnold Yoga. And thank you all. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. You can find all of the info for these amazing ladies in the show notes. Please subscribe to the show, like if you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. And if you want to follow along on Instagram, we're at Yoga Magic Podcast. We'll see you next week.